Hello, everyone. It's a new episode of the Celtics Talk podcast. Kyle Draper and Aishirai Blakely coming to you, getting you ready for the playoffs. The Celtics still with a couple more games left to go, but Sherrod, they're coming off a three-game winning streak, and they've looked good for the most part over these three games. We're going to dive into that. We'll also got to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, a potential playoff matchup. You know how it is, Big Bell. I got to introduce the Sixers into the conversation. Of course. Well, but right this moment, how are you feeling about the Celtics? I'm feeling really good about them. Uh, I felt good about them coming into the bubble. I thought they would be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But the way it has broken down has, has been a little bit unexpected. I didn't expect Jalen Brown to be the best player on the team. And from beginning of the bubble to now, he has been that guy. Uh, Tatum has been good, uh, not great, been good. And Kimba has been more efficient than I thought he would be uh, as they kind of, you know, ramped up his minutes. Uh, and we're just, and we're not even talking about Gordon Hayward or Time Lord. Uh, Brad Wanamaker has given him some solid play. I mean, they have shown the ability to impact the game in a, with not just a, in a multitude of ways, but with a multitude of players that we're not really talking a ton about. Uh, I mean, heck, Romeo Langford, you know, he only, he was like one for three that one game and he, he was like plus 27. Right. And when you look back, his, what he did defensively, being in the right, pl right place at the right time, getting deflections, all the little things. Uh, Brad Stevens, I think, has what I would consider a good problem, and that is how do I shorten this rotation? Who's in? Who's out? Is it going to be fluid? Is it going to be, you know, two or three guys one night, two or three different guys another night, which I think is the way to go. Um, but how is he going to really maximize the talent that he has in front of him with a lot of guys who, frankly, by what they've done in a bubble, have earned the right to be in that playoff rotation mix. Let me ask you, though, because I agree, you know, I'm feeling good about the team, uh, much better than I was this time a week ago, you know, after they had lost to Miami earlier last week. But we talk about the rotation, and let's go right into that before we get to the big names on the roster. Romeo Langford, you mentioned. I thought he played well against Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see him really the last couple games. You know, we saw him a little bit against Toronto yesterday against uh, Orlando. And so I don't understand Brad's rotation sometimes. It's like you give a guy a shot, and I'm talking specifically Romeo, and then it's sparingly. Like, I, I mean, you say he's, you know, a, got a difficult, a good problem to have, but I don't know. I feel like he's already set his rotation. I don't, I don't expect to see Romeo. Romeo in spot minutes to ride here or there, once every three or four games. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, he will have a, a certain seven or eight guys in, let's say, game one, and a different guy in that six, seven, eight role, or, well, seven, eight role for game two. And Romeo, sometimes he may be in that mix, sometimes he won't. Uh, you got to remember, Romeo plays a position where they have an all-star in Jason Tatum, a guy who's the best player on the team uh, in the bubble in Jalen Brown. You've got a guy named Gordon Hayward, a former all-star who's making 30-plus million a year. And – those guys, because they're so interchangeable, it's hard to add a, a fourth wing to the mix and that be someone that you rely on consistently. Uh, so it's a tough spot for Romeo. I mean, he's not going to get a ton of minutes, but I do like what I'm seeing with the bigs uh, because they're going to need them. Uh, they are desperately going to need them, especially when you look at just some of the, the potential matchups that they could be facing down the road. And we look at some of the potential matchups they've already faced. I mean, you know, you look at Vucevic, he lost, but he gave him the business. Right, right. You look at Nurkic, you know, he gave him the business. And so 
they have clearly had their issues with trying to contain really talented, dominant bigs. And I think a guy like Time Lord, he has to come in there and be a difference maker in those 10, 15 minutes he's going to get. What about Time Lord? Because I'm looking at the, the depth chart and the minutes played. Has he surpassed Ennis Cantor? I mean, we didn't see Cantor at all in that Toronto game. Time Lord got the majority of minutes at the backup center spot. And so is it time, time for Time Lord? Is that what you're telling me? Ennis Cantor is the second big off the bench. Time Lord's the first. This is what we have been waiting for all year long, for him to get out there, play well, and do it over and over again. No one has ever questioned what Time Lord can do, but his biggest issue has been healthy and being consistent. And those are the two things he's doing at a very high level in the minutes that he's getting right now. And it's, it's refreshing to see because, I, I, I mean, listen, if the Celtics are going to make a run at an NBA title, he has to be their best option off the bench slash starter. Uh, wow. Daniel Tice, I think, is, is there's no question. Daniel, he's either starting or coming off the bench. He's going to be in that big man rotation. Ennis Cantor, to me, has to be that, in case of an emergency, crack this open. Because <laughs> Cantor, at the end of the day, he's a great offensive rebounder who can score around the rim. And beyond that, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of production out of him. Whereas Time Lord can run the floor can alter shots. I'm not, I don't think he's a great shot blocker. I think he's a great shot alterer because uh, I still think his timing and, and he bites way too much on fakes and things like that. But overall, he has to continue to be a difference maker. And that's why he's playing more steady minutes the last couple of games because when he's on the floor, you actually feel his presence, whether it's a dunk, whether it's altering a shot, forcing a steal, getting a deflection, doing all those little things that your bigs have to do in order to be successful. Why now, though, Sherrod? I mean, this is Time Lord's second year. I know he was Shoot. injured for most of the year. But, I mean, in San Antonio, he was dominant. And then he goes right back to the bench. Like, yeah. Ennis Cantor is who he is, and we've known that all season long. Why all of a sudden is Brad saying, all right, now's the time for Time Lord? Is it because, you know, he's finally healthy? I mean, because even before the injury, we weren't seeing Robert Williams much. Right. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, He's Robert Williams is going to be one of those guys that if the Celtics are in the NBA finals or conference finals and you start looking at what are some of the wild cards that got him here, he's going to be that guy. He's going to be that guy. And to your point, Kyle, I mean, in his character, he is who we thought he was. Uh, there's no surprises when you watch him play. Some nights he's going to get you a lot of production around the rim, scoring the ball, getting offensive rebounds, but he's not locking anybody up. He's not going to be a dominant presence because that's just not the role he's being asked to play. But that's why Time Lord is a better fit because Time Lord will have the same limitations as Cantor as far as his role in the offense and role defensively. And yet still, because of his athleticism, because of just that dynamic, he can make plays that Ennis can't. Right, And right. you need somebody who's going to bring you something to the table that no one else is doing. I mean, you want points around the rim? Cantor can do that, but so can, so can Tice. So can Robert Williams. But you don't have someone who can run end-to-end the way Time Lord right. can. You don't have someone who can really make their presence felt without touching the ball. I mean, there was, yeah. there was at least one or two plays the other night where he just basically beat his man downfield for, for an easy bucket. And his yeah. Cantor ain't being nobody down court for no easy bucket. That ain't Lord, That's not who he is. And, and he puts pressure on the defense, too, right? Like, like when, when I see him and Marcus Smart work together, when he's setting that screen for Marcus and rolling down the lane, 
you got to pay attention to him because that, that lob is coming. You know, that's why Danny nicknamed him Lob Williams. I mean, that and that puts pressure that's on the That's a horrible defense. nickname, by the it way. It is a horrible nickname. Your, your guy Danny came up with that one. But what do you think about that that pairing, Marcus Smart and Ty Lord? Brad has to like that. Well, you have to like it because those are two guys coming off the bench that you know give you an edge of some sort when they're on the floor. Uh, Time Lord with all that athleticism and, and ability to play above the rim. And Marcus Smart, I mean, he, he – he comes off the bench, but he really is a starter. Uh, when you look at his minutes, you look at his impact, you look at his presence. And frankly, he's the best lob thrower on the team. So they should be able to work together well. He's the best finisher above the rim. Marcus is the best distributor of that. And I think we're, we're going to see that. And, and we should be seeing that. But the only way that's going to happen is if Time Lord can keep his ass on the floor. <laughs> right. No, I agree. He, he has to stay healthy. Uh, and and it, it'll be interesting. I mean, we got a couple games left to go. And depending on that first-round matchup, for instance, if you take on Philly, mm -hmm. do you go Cantor a little more, like against Embiid? Like, or we just don't have any answer for Embiid? I, I think against Embiid, I think you go with Cantor first. Uh, and remember, it's a seven-game series. See what he can do in that first game. Maybe throw Time Lord out there as that third big and, and just see – how does Embiid match up with him? Uh, because remember, Embiid, as athletic as he is, he ain't winning no sprints. This ain't, right. this ain't seven foot Usain Bolt out there. That's not who he is. Time Lord has that ability to wear him out. And I'm, I'm curious to see how Brad is going to use Robert Williams in a series against Philadelphia because I, I do think that he's one of those guys that could wear an Embiid out. And let's be honest and keep it real. Embiid ain't trying to play no 35, 40 minutes a night. Yeah, if you can get Robert Williams out there for like 10 minutes and just say, look, this is your job. Bang that dude, run the hell from inline to inline nonstop. You do that for five minutes. That's all we need is five minutes. And if I'm Brett Brown, well, if I were a coach who understood his personnel, so I won't say <laughs> Brett Brown. If I'm a coach who understood his personnel, if I see Robert Williams on the floor, I'm taking him beat out. You're crazy. You, so you want to take out your all-star center. Your franchise player just because Robert Williams is on the floor? Come on, I'm gonna Brad. I'm gonna take him out for some of the time that Robert's on there. If let's say Embiid is out there and he's played six minutes straight, and then they bring in Robert Williams, that might be my time to get him out for a minute or two and get him back in there. Okay. You got you gotta be smart about that if you feel it, because and, and that's why I said if you were a coach who understood your personnel you would be able to game plan and make Robert Williams a non-factor, even though obviously, you know, he's not going to win a game for you per se, but he does have the ability to impact your best player. And you got to be smart about that if you feel it. All right, let's take a quick time out, everyone. Looking for a new way to stream? Meet Peacock, the free streaming service from NBC Universal. With tons of movies and shows, plus a daily dose of news, sports, and pop culture, there's something for everyone. And best of all, you can watch for free or upgrade for more. Go to PeacockTV.com and start streaming now. All right, so we bring it up, Philly. Let's talk about potential playoff opponents before we jump back into some individual Celtics players. Right now, as we're recording this, you got three teams all within a game of each other, Indiana, Miami, Philly. Philly's reeling right now. Ben Simmons likely out for the season. And B just left the game with a sprained ankle. I got to assume you want to see Philly first round, right? Which is crazy to say, but given the state of that franchise right now, Philly has to be the preferred matchup. Even before all the, the issues that they're dealing with, I thought that was a team – 
that if you're the Celtics, if you had to face them, this is probably the time to face them because they, they're they're a team that even before the injuries, they were they were they were wobbly a little bit. Now you got you know Ben Simmons is going to be out of the mix, and B we don't know what the status of that ankle sprain. <laughs> um, and and Kyle just just I mean let's just keep it real. Scal and Perk they had you on the ropes with that man. They had oh, you on no. the ropes with that. That was the lamest <laughs> ankle sprain I've seen this year. But but our girl Amy Fadul in Philly tweeted at me that was the wrong clip. We showed another clip oh. where he hit his uh, foot on the stanchion in the back, and so it looked like he tweaked his ankle. So I'm oh, you talking saying, about the padded stanchion, the yeah. thing that's nice and cushy? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Enemies down there in Philly, bro. They're gonna come at you when they hear this. I'm just saying. I mean, but but the, the thing about it, and, and Beat, he's he's a great player, but clearly uh, he's not a guy that can carry a team to a championship, deep into the playoffs. I, and if he, if he's the, the focal point and the other guys around him don't elevate their play, the Celtics will win that series in four or five games. Dang. All right, I'm not going to argue with you, with you about that. Because we've already seen – I mean, Shake Milton hurt. was shook. I mean, right. Shake Milton was, was shook when that starting lineup went and beat. And I don't know if they worked whatever issues they had out, but you're missing your, your – arguably your best player is Ben Simmons. Your next best player or player 1A or 1B – has an ankle injury. The guy you just threw in a starting lineup had beef from day one with one yeah. of your, your one A, one B players. And we still haven't got a feel for how Al Horford fits into all this because they never address that biggest okay. issue during before the bubble. And that is how can you utilize Al Horford to his fullest? We didn't see it before the bubble. I haven't really got a feel. I don't see that in the bubble. Right. And so if you're the Celtics and you're looking at this, you're just like, all we got to do is worry about us and do what we do, and we're done in four or five games. It's not even about Philly. If you're Boston, it's like, let's do us so we can do them and we can do ourselves <laughs> a favor and get on to the next round and get their ribs and, and, and chicken popping. Because they, they, this team, you you put them on the grill real quick. Real quick. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I'm not going to argue that, dude. Like I said, the Sixers are a mess right now. But your boys, the Pacers and T.J. Warren, does he really make them that scary, though? I know he's balling out. I know he's playing well. But look at us. <laughs> you fired up over TJ getting some buckets. So, I, I mean, how TJ. tough of an out are they going to be? I don't think they're going to be a tough, tough, tough out. Like, I, like if they play, I don't think it'll go seven games. Um, but TJ Warren is in that that zone now, man. I mean, he, I mean, he's looking over at cats like LeBron James and Anthony Davis like, what? Y'all want some of this? Y'all want some of this? That's what happens when opportunity and talent collide and then you don't have to worry about all the external factors that could throw a, a player off rhythm, like, you know, being on the road. Uh, TJ Warren is – I mean, he has been the MVP of the bubble. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but if you're the Celtics, you cool with TJ Warren doing his thing because you realize that if you can keep those other guys in check, you're going to be all right. Because at some point in the playoffs, and again, I could be wrong on this, but at some point, is Victor Oladipo going to try and assert more control, if you will, right. of how man. things work? And how is that going to play out with TJ Warren? Is TJ at a point where he can say, you know what, I'm dropping 30 and some change every night, but you know what, this is Victor's team. I'm just going to lay low in the cut and just wait for him to, to take, give me what I can get and, and keep it moving like that. that don't think, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I think T.J. Warren is like, I told y'all, this is what I do. I get buckets. And now we're winning and I'm getting buckets? And, Victor, 
I think you need to adjust to what I'm doing, bro, not the other way around. And that, to me, is where things get interesting with them. Because if we're seeing this paradigm shift between who's at the head of the table for the Pacers and who's around the table, I got a feeling egos are at some point are going uh, to clash. Sir, you can't let five games cloud your judgment on this. Only Depot is the star. Only Depot is the star, big fella. TJ Warren's I, just on a hot run right now. So, so in other words, when that hot run ends, TJ's going to be okay just stepping to the side and let Victor take center stage. He should be. Why can't he won't why, be? Why, why he can't won't be? Victor Oladipo will get you 26-27. Why can't TJ get you 21-22 and be happy with that? Well, I tell you what. Hit the alarm button and wake me up when Victor (laughs) goes out and gets you 26-27 in a bubble. Because last time I checked, that's not happening. There's only one cat on that Pacers team that is absolutely crushing it day in, day out, and that's TJ Warren. And the thing, and we haven't even talked about the fact that they don't have Sabonis, which I think in the playoffs – that's a that's huge big. blow. That's big. That's, that's big because that's the one guy that can play both inside and out, can force, you know, the Celtics to, to frankly play them more honest defensively because now, I mean, Turner's a good player. No, There's no doubt about that. But he, he ain't balling like Sabonis. Yeah. He ain't bringing it like, like Sabonis was. So, I mean, that's – again, I think they will be a difficult out. But if you're the Celtics, that series should go no more than six games. Right. So are the Miami Heat the team you don't want to face if you're Boston? Uh, is that the toughest matchup, you think? I ain't worried about them. Uh, because you, you ain't worried what? about nobody in the first round. No, hear me out. The reason I, I'm not worried about them, because they ain't going to drop the six. Won't happen. Oh, will okay. not. Ha- they right. will be the four or five seed. And that, to me, you know, if they're the four or five, then they got to deal with my, Milwaukee in the second round. And Milwaukee does not want those problems. They yeah, don't want us. They don't want. Them. They don't want those problems. Uh, that to me will be the second round upset of the playoffs. I do believe if Miami and Milwaukee meet in the second round, I'm going with Miami. I'm going. Wow, with Miami. upsetting the best team in the entire Absolutely. NBA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because okay. I just, I just think Miami. And I look at the coaching. I look at the personnel. I look at the fact that they defend. Giannis as good as any team in the entire NBA. Uh, they've had a lot of regular season success, and I know there are always circumstances that factor into regular season wins and losses, but I just think Miami is built to give Milwaukee major problems in the playoffs, and, you know, I, the Celtics fortunately don't have to worry about that because I think they're going to be <laughs> on the other side of that Eastern Conference bracket, and they may have to see the Heat in the Conference Finals. That wouldn't shock me. Uh, would not wow. shock me at all. And if you're Boston, you're okay with that. You're okay Okay. with that. Hey there, it's Tom Haverstrow here, your national NBA insider for NBC Sports and host of the Haverstrow podcast. This week, it's all about NBA basketball, actual basketball. We're going to talk to TrueHoop.com's David Thorpe, NBA scout, coach, trainer, all of the above. Amazing conversation about AD, LeBron, Zion, Go listen to The Haber Show wherever you listen to podcasts. So the Celtics, let's get back to them. They've won three in a row. Their best mm-hmm. win came uh, against Toronto, 122-100. Didn't see that coming. I, I, exactly. I didn't see that coming. With that being said, Sherrod, does that – do you put the Celtics the favorite ahead of the Raptors now? If those two were to meet up. 
Are you just because of that one game? Are you thinking the Celtics can you no. know, beat the Raptors for sure? No, not because of that one game. <clears throat> I think it'll be a competitive series, whether it's the Celtics won that game by 20 or whether they got drilled by 20. It's going to be a competitive series because you start looking at the personnel matchups and there's a lot of evenness among them. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would say Toronto probably uh, is a little bit deeper if, if everyone plays up to their level of ability. Uh, and, but again, I, I think the Celtics, the one positive that has come about this bubble is you've seen guys like Brad Wanamaker gain confidence. You see guys like Time Lord play with more confidence. Uh, you've seen some of the guys that were kind of on that borderline playoff rotation level actually play as though they should be in a rotation. And, and, I, and I think when they get their opportunities against a team like Toronto, they got to ball out. Uh, because Toronto, you look at Van Vliet, you look at, you know, you, little chubby kid from North Philly, Kyle Lowry. Ah. You, you look at, you know, Ibaka. You start going down the line, it's Pascal. I mean, they've got really good players. And they're the only team in a bubble, the only team in a bubble that is playing with a legitimate chip on their shoulder that's not this fabricated BS that everyone tries to play with. <laughs> they're the defending NBA champions. And people look at them like, wow. We're surprised you even in the playoffs. Right, and, right. and for them, they've been using that all season long. They got the most underrated coach in the game and Nick Nurse. There's a lot of things about Toronto that would make me nervous. And as well as the Celtics played and drilling them in the bubble, I'm not convinced that it's going to be that easy. These two right. mean it will be a seven-game series. It I, I, will I absolutely agree. be a seven-game. I, I thought Toronto didn't play well at all in that game. And, you know, you look at them when they played the Lakers – they were oh, clicking they were on jacked. all they, – they were jacked for that matchup. Friday's matchup, not so much. And so – but if I'm the Celtics, Friday did show me the blueprint, how you have yeah. to play, right, mm -hmm. if you're going to beat Toronto. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I want to see from the Celtics night in and night out, a sense of urgency, right? right? Early in the bubble, we didn't see that. Last few games, maybe so. Maybe not the Orlando game. But these dudes got to understand the time is now. They can make it to the finals, right? But they can't just rely on talent like, and, and oh, we're just going to outscore teams. I thought the job they did defensively against Toronto, especially early in that first half, really set the tone. And that's how they got to play. Everybody want to be all fancy and cute offensively. Jason Tatum can get you 30. Hayward, get you 30. But really, it's about defense for this team, man. I, I think if you can dig in and lock down, which they have the ability to do on a perimeter, they're going to be tough to beat. They are. And, and you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, Tatum and just all that he does offensively. But, man, you really start paying close attention to what he does at the other end of the floor. That dude is special. I mean, he when you look at what his overall package looks like, um, he's a younger, better version of Paul George. He can do all the things that Paul George can do. And, and I'm telling you, you look at where Paul George was at that point in his career and Tatum is base, is better. And he does a lot of similar things uh, at both ends of the floor. Uh, Tatum, I, I think Tatum is going to be in that all-NBA defensive player conversation in the very near future uh, because as this team continues to succeed and his defensive rating continues to stay at a relatively low level and he continues to make plays, whether it's deflections, steals, altering shots, uh, doing all those little things that Brad Stevens has said from the very beginning, justified them putting Tatum in the starting lineup from day one Right. he's going to be in that conversation. And you're right. I mean, defense is what they ha – it has to be their calling card uh, because they got enough guys who can get buckets. That's, that's, that's not a problem for them. Can they lock down defensively? And can they do it in a way where 
it's not just Marcus Smart playing defense. It's right. the four guys and also Marcus Smart playing defense. Uh, they need to be a collective unit. And, and again, we talked earlier about Robert Williams. That's where I think he comes in and becomes a much more important piece of the puzzle in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. Because if they're going to have that defensive identity, they're going to need rim protection. They're going to need someone who can rim run uh, from that center position. And he's their best option. But look, my guy Daniel Tice, don't sleep. Don't sleep. <laughs> Tice is going to be in the mix, whether it's starting, coming off the bench. He ain't leaving that rotation. No, I agree. He, he was big down the stretch in that Orlando game. Let me throw this at you, because on, on the post-game show, I think it was post-game yesterday, Perk said Jalen Brown is the Celtics' best two-way player. Absolutely. Absolutely. What? Jay, listen, I'm going to go a step you further. You just said Tatum's a better young Paul George, a younger, better Paul George. We're he was talking a hell about, of a two-way player. We're talking right now, in this moment, right now. Jalen right. Brown is the best two-way player on this team right now, right this minute. And I'll go a step further. Jalen Brown is the best player on this team, period, right now. Based on what he's doing, based on what he's doing right now in the bubble, he has been their best player. Now, when we get to the playoffs, do I expect him to be the best player? No. I expect him to be in the top three. Uh, I expect Tatum or Kimba to elevate and be that guy. Uh, I'm really expecting Tatum uh, more than Kimba right. because of the two-way aspect that we talked about a little bit earlier. But, no, Jalen Brown is killing it, man. I mean, he has been just an absolute beast. And the thing that I love about Jalen is that not only is he being a beast on the court and helping his team win, but all this, the social issues that he mm. was championing before he got in the bubble, that he said he would continue to have those conversations and use his platform to elevate those discussions, he's kept his word along those lines. And to me, when you are making that big an impact in terms of on-the-floor basketball, off-the-court societal right. issues, that says so much about you as just – a person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jalen Brown right now, he's the MVP of the bubble right now in terms of overall package, in terms of right. playing, in terms of being making an impact outside of the bubble. Right. He is that guy. Uh, I, on one of his uh, recent conference calls, he talked about how some guys, you know, are coming up to him and asking, you know, what should we do? What should we be talking about? He's taking on a leadership role without puffing his chest out saying I'm the leader. He's right. just doing, and people are following, and that's a great and clear indicative sign of what great leadership looks like. So, I mean, Jalen Brown, he's that dude, Drake. Yeah, yeah. Jalen no, Brown you're, is you're that right. dude. You're right, because you, you look at his post-game press conference uh, after the Orlando game, Sherrod, there was not a single basketball question asked of Jalen right. Brown. He just right. came off a great game. He came off a solid win, but it was all about stuff happening off the floor, and so – I think, you know, when, when, when the players were considering whether or not to come to Orlando, would their message get lost? This is, this is what they wanted, right? To yeah. still have that platform to get that message out. Yeah, and, and, some, and some players are more committed to making sure those messages resonate than others. And, and that's expected. Uh, some players, you know, they, they just kind of fall into that, what I call that muscle memory lane, where I have a good game, I got to go talk to the media, I'm going to talk about the game. And Jalen has reprogrammed himself to, if I'm speaking in front of the media, I'm going to talk about these societal issues. And I'm right. going to do my homework in advance so that when I'm talking about these issues, mm. I'm giving them knowledge. 
in the process. And that's the thing that to me is separating him from a lot of these players when they talk about, you know, Breonna Taylor and, and, you know, and, and, and things of like that. And, and people who have been affected and impacted, you know, by some of the societal issues that we're all having conversations about. Jalen Brown does his homework on that, just like he does his scouting report on opponents. And that's why, again, he, he's that dude in the bubble. Yeah. Time now for a quick T.O. Thursday, July 23rd, marked one year out from the Tokyo Olympics. The world will come back together to celebrate competition, unity, and the triumph of the human spirit. Tokyo is set to welcome the best athletes on earth as they pursue a dream delayed after persevering. Check out NBCOlympics.com for more. All right, I want to talk about two more Celtics individual players, Kemba Walker Mm -hmm. and Gordon Hayward. Let's start with Gordon because he's coming off a great game 31 against Orlando. And I'm thinking sitting here, is he the X factor for this team? Like Tatum's going to be great. Jalen Kemba. But if Gordon is playing at a high level, Sherrod, and I'm not saying 31 a night, but if he can get you to his 19, 20 a night, Gordon's that dude too. Let, let's, let's talk, put some words on and respect on him because I look at it as when Tatum goes out, when Brown goes out, you still got a Gordon Hayward you can turn to. And not many teams in this NBA have a fourth option that can go out there and get you 20 on any given night. Listen, when you start looking at teams, we have a tendency to focus on the main course. Main course this, main course that. But you know what? At some point, if you got all these great main courses, there's going to be leftovers, Drapes. Somebody got to take care of them leftovers. That is Gordon Hayward. He gets all the good quality leftovers. And then at the end of the night, you're looking at like, damn, he just gave us a meal off the leftovers. Gordon Hayward is the best fourth option in the bubble right now. You're not going to find a team that has a number four guy that can go out and get you. Here's the thing, Drapes. He can get you 25-7-7. and And you know what? You wouldn't be surprised by it. There is not another fourth option in the game right now who can put up those kind of numbers on any given night and it not be seen as, well, you know, he just did what he do. He's that good. Right, uh, right. And his role is that awesome for the Celtics. Uh, he, he's going to get great opportunities because so much attention is going to be paid to Kemba, to Jalen, to JT, that Gordon, just by simply running the floor, playing good defense, which, by the way, that that uh, that block he had block. against Orlando, yeah, yeah. that – that's the Gordon Hayward that I remember in Utah. A dude that had that sneaky good defense that would come out of nowhere. Ask LeBron James. LeBron James got some of that too uh, when <laughs> Gordon was in Utah. So he yeah. knows a thing or two about those having a shot blocked like that. Gordon Hayward, I, you're, I think he's the – If I think the Celtics have a bunch of X factors, but there's like the big fat X that covers half your screen X factor. That's Gordon. Are you confident he can deliver though? Yes. Okay. Right. I'm I wanted to get you on record with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and deliver, does that mean he's going to give you like 26 and six every game? No, I think that he's going to have games where he's not going to score a ton of points, but he's going to do a lot of those other things like rebound and distribute. Uh, Gordon is going to be an impact player for them. Big X factor, not just Big an X factor, the X, 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 X factor. <laughs> All right. So you spoke about Kemba's uh, efficiency. Minus the Orlando talking, game. I was about to say, minus the Orlando game. How are you feeling about him? Because they extended his minutes, 32 minutes last night uh, against the Orlando Magic. What was he, one for nine, I think One for nine, I believe, yeah. Yeah, something like that. I mean, four points. <sighs> yeah. I, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good look that 
on the game that he got the most minutes and they played the worst team, he had his worst game. Right. Uh, that's a that's a bad look uh, all around. But the, the thing about Kimba Walker, I'm not worried about him. Uh, okay. I, because to me, he's going to be somewhere between – he's going to be closer to the guy we saw those first few games than the one we saw against Orlando. I think he's going to be – he's not going to be as efficient as he was those first few games. And just a lot of averages meant that he was going to have a game like this before the bubble – uh, the seeding games ended. So right. I'm not worried about Kimba. I'm, I'm more concerned about how is he moving? Is he getting to his spots? Is he getting the shots that he wants? And he's yeah. getting that. Uh, and he's getting yeah. it with, with relative ease. Uh, his lateral quickness, I, I think, is pretty close to where it was before because one of the things he does a great job with is getting in position to draw charges. Yeah. Uh, and that's got to be important for him going forward and for the Celtics in order to make sure that on those nights when he goes like three for 10 shooting, if he can get you two charges drawn and, and that, that cause a couple turnovers, you get a couple baskets that way, it helps soften the blow on those nights when he just can't get shots to fall. Like we saw against Orlando. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with a couple games left to go, I expect to see them play uh, against Memphis. Brad will play all the guys, probably nobody against Washington. And I don't so know why. With that plan. I, I, Look, I want Brad to play me against Washington just to <laughs> just to make sure those guys get me, Perk, Scal, you. I mean, we can make yep. this happen. Washington ain't trying to beat nobody. I mean, yep. I want to see. It's so crazy, man. I, I, I got to interrupt the, because yeah. I'm looking at the standings, and Washington actually fell below Charlotte in the standings. Think about that, Charlotte. How bad you, know, you got to be? This is what they need to do. They need to get T. Rose and the crew Get them in there for these last right, couple bubble right. games so that they can finish this thing out and get that and be the high. Listen, Washington is just a hot mess. They were a hot mess before they got into the bubble. They've been an absolute steaming pile of you can call it what you want to since being in the bubble. If I'm Brad, I'm going to have a lot of Brad Wanamaker. I might you just may see Taco Fall activate. In fact, I would be disappointed if we don't see Taco Fall out there in that last game against Washington. Right. Because that, there's just nothing for his core guys to gain out of that game other than potentially getting hurt. And to me, it's just not worth the risk, especially now that you're locked into to who you, you're going, what your seating's going to be. There's literally nothing to gain other than guys cracking a sweat and potentially getting hurt. And you don't want to make yeah. that game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, man, you got anything else uh, we need to touch on? Did I forget anything? Um Look, we, we could spend all day talking about just, you know, the top teams in the bubble yeah. and whether the Celtics are going to be a title contender. I think they will be. Uh, I, I think when all said and done, I think they are going to be well positioned to get to the finals based upon not only the way they're playing. And we talked about this before in other podcasts, getting breaks along the way that you've got nothing to do with. Yeah. Philadelphia, no Ben Simmons and B's banged up break that you have nothing no control over right indiana right. with oladipo you know still kind of working his way back into the mix of things tj Warren, no sabonis no sabonis yeah there, there are things that for championship teams go through that benefit them that they don't have a damn thing to do yeah. with and the celtics yeah. they look like they're on a trajectory to be one of those teams that's going to get a bump and and the flip side to that is for the first time all year from top to bottom they got their whole crew. They're healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hey, take advantage of it, right? Hey, exactly. Milk you it. only play the schedule. What's that in front of you? No doubt. All right, Sherrod, we just got word. I just got the email from the NBA. The Celtics-Wizards uh, game on Thursday is at 12 noon. 
Think about that, Big The matinee matchup. <laughs> that is like the worst time slot for an NBA game Grinch. ever. A Thursday at noon, that shows you just how the NBA thinks about that matchup. I mean, it, it's like, you know, if you're the AD at a high school and you've got to schedule the freshman game, the JV game, and a varsity game, and you don't like any of the time slots, but one really sucks. Freshman. Freshman. That's the game. <laughs> freshman game. God, hey, oh, hey, gosh. hey, you know we still going to deliver the goods, man. We got that game uh, pregame at 11 o'clock, yo. That's crazy. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> you, brother. <laughs> I know. All right, man, let's get out of here. We'll do this again on Friday. That's when we'll have our – uh, playoff preview uh, show. We'll be discussing and breaking down the playoff. Sixers. The Celtics. Celtics Sixers. Let's go. Let's do it again. Let's right? do it. All Get right, your boy Shirai. Ben Simmons waving the towel waving from the, the towel, right? Exactly. Ray Sherrod Blakely. I'm Kyle Draper. This has been the Celtics Talk Podcast. Go out there, like it, subscribe, leave a review, whatever you want to do on your favorite podcasting app. Make sure it involves the Celtics Talk Podcast. We'll see you next time. We're out!